0: You're listening to the Animation Addicts Podcast, episode 199 How Streaming Services and COVID 19 Have Changed the Theater Experience Forever. Forever. the Animation Addicts podcast with the Rotoscopers, the number one place to get your animation fix with Animation Addicts just like you. Each episode, we dive into the wonderful world of animation featuring Disney, DreamWorks, Pixar, and everything in between. From hilarious discussions and movie reviews to interviews with industry insiders, this show's mission is to brighten your day through our love of animation. So hop on your nerdy couch, grab some snacks, and get ready to hang out with your animation besties because it's time to dive into today's episode.
1: Hey there, animation fans. I'm your host, Morgan Stradling. And I'm Chelsea Robson. And we're excited to bring you this new part of the podcast, weekly episodes from here on out. Woohoo! Excelente. This is the first of our separate Nerdy Couch discussion episodes, which will feature various topics and discussions relating to the wonderful world of animation, Disney, and of course, movies. Previously, the Nerdy Couch discussions were a segment, a little mini segment that we would do in our main review episodes, but we decided to expand them out to give them their own space and time. I mean, the comfy couch is pretty big, so we have its own episode now, so that way we can have these little mini discussions, and then the episodes have their own Discussions as well. This gives you double the Animation Addicts podcast in your life. And it's just a really fun way for us to give you weekly content. And one of the great things about this is the topics can be kind of all over the place. Sometimes they may relate directly to the episode that we discussed the week before, or they may just be hot topics in the news or just discussions that we have had on our minds and wanted to discuss for a while. And a really, really cool thing is that our patrons do get to submit questions. So if you have a topic that you would like us to discuss on the show, definitely consider becoming a patron. Go to rotoscopers.com slash patron. And even more, if you are chomping at the bit to join us on the Nerdy Couch for a topic and discussion of your choice, our Diamond-level patrons do get to join us on the Nerdy Couch as a co-host. So even more reasons to be a patron on top of all the other amazing perks that we offer, including ad-free episodes. All right. So with that introduction, let's dive into our very first solo Nerdy Couch discussion episode, Chelsea. Are you ready?
0: I am ready, baby. Let's do it. All right. So today's question was how streaming services and COVID-19 have changed the theater experience forever. And it really has changed it forever.
1: Forever. (laughs) (laughs) And I really wanted to do this topic and discussion because it led in with our discussion from last week with Raya and the Last Dragon. And there's just so much that goes into this, and how the theater experience has changed. That I felt we needed to give it a little bit more time. I didn't want to rush this discussion, so it made perfect sense for a nerdy couch discussion all about the topic.
0: Honestly, this it. There are a lot of things that I I like about how things have changed and shifted, but there are also things that have come at a cost, um, that I'm not a fan of. And I actually really enjoy going to the theaters. I really enjoy watching movies on the big screen, bringing friends like it's the whole the experience is more than just the movie itself. But I also enjoy seeing the movie itself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely, you know, the hermits out there who this is just their dream come true. They can just hang out, you know, the I'm an introvert, but not that much of an introvert. But it's just interesting how the past year has just really, really taken a toll on the movie theater industry. Things were already sort of going in this direction, but it wasn't, they didn't, the movie studios didn't necessarily have a reason to pull the plug on theaters, if you will. So I kind of wanted to go back and set the stage because I recently read Bob Iyer's book which is called the ride of a lifetime, which doesn't really make sense as a title because he doesn't even talk about the parks at all. So you would think that was a reference to like the Disney parks and the rides, but it's not basically the whole book. He just Rude. talks about the various acquisitions that he did of Pixar, Marvel, Lucasfilm, you know, cause obviously those are the biggest things that increased shareholder value. Uh, that's for another <laughs> day. We can definitely discuss that book, but in it, he talked about how they saw the need to have their own streaming platform and at what and how this would in the short term be uh, a cost for them because they would have, they had all these licenses and deals with all these other streaming services like Netflix. So in order to get their catalog back, they would have to pay big fees. They would lose money initially and when he came to the board with this idea, it was like, oh, this, I don't know about this. You know, you're going to make movies specifically for this platform. You're not going to go to the movie theaters. And they had Disney Plus ready to go in in November, October of, and they had Disney Plus ready to go in November of 2019, which was just a few months before everything went down with the pandemic. Jeez, yeah. And so they were ready to go and they already had that subscriber base ready to go. So that way when people could no longer go and watch their movies in the theaters, they had an outlet to, to, to show those. I think the very first one was onward. We see that onward was out in theaters, I think one or two weeks and then everything shut down in the United States. And it was really, really sad to see because you know, onward, you know, who doesn't love a Pixar film? Who doesn't love a Disney film? And just to see it like not, we, we we can't see the potential that this film is going to make from a box office number-wise because it was just stinted. It was just cut off at the knees. So they shifted it and they put it directly on Disney+. Yeah,
0: and the, the problem with that is how that movie, as we talked about in the episode of that movie, is there's always going to be an asterisk next to mm-hmm. the box office debut because it could have made money. (laughs) Right. Right. It just didn't because they they just cut them off at the knees and they were just like, all right, I guess we're doing this.
1: Yeah. So something interesting that I've learned in the past year was just these different deals that companies have with the the theater chains, you know, because they are the studios, they produce the films, but in the past and in the older days, they needed a distributor who was able to get the movie out there to a wider audience now. Mm-hmm. And so the movie theaters were critical for the movies or for the movie studios, because that relationship, the movies would go nowhere without the movie theaters. But now in the days of the internet and streaming, everyone controls their own platform. You not only control the actual medium itself and the movie, but you also now can control the distribution. And one thing that I learned over the past year or so, as I was kind of researching these different things, uh, is, you know, the, as things have gotten more and more online, the movie studios and the theaters, they've had different deals that they have worked out. And for example, uh, you can, I believe one of the deals was you weren't able to release a film to home video until I think it's like 90 days, um, after its release. But when digital came around, they had to redo that one of those deals. And so they had the deal that you couldn't release it on digital, I think 75 days. So that's why you see when a movie comes out, Mm. it says available on, uh, for digital HD on this date and then available on Blu-ray two weeks later. And you're like, well, why don't they just do it the same day? Like what's the deal with that? And it's because Mm. they have these two different agreements with the, the movie exhibitors on when they are able to, you know, release that out of the theater's control, if you will, you know, they need to give the theater's time to really let it do well in the box office before the studios then take control with the home video market. And then, and I just thought that was super fascinating, you know, and, and okay, sorry. So I just thought that was super fascinating because that was something that like, I guess, you never recognize like oh, okay these are on different dates but what is the reason behind that date and so then with covid-19 what ended up happening is all like all those deals were done the studios then said okay you're closed we have these movies many studios chose not to even release them and uh you know hold off a year like i went to my local theater and they still had a the new ghostbusters reboot and it said coming summer 2020 <laughs> and the sign is giant and it's on the wall And you know what? That movie did not get released on demand. It didn't, you know, they're just holding it. So it probably will be, you know, it will be released at some point. But then sub studio said, no, we have a lot invested in this. We can't wait a year. So we're going to release it on our own platforms. And definitely the biggest one for animation was Trolls World Tour that did that. Yeah. DreamWorks.
0: When when that happened and they decided, okay, we're just gonna release this on uh, renting for instead of going straight to the theaters. I just remember there being a huge like like backlash from the theaters of being like, we're not gonna forget this. Like, yeah, oh. exactly. <laughs> it's fighting words. But I, here's the thing: I being in uh, the music industry, you, I've been able to see and be a part of a lot of different contracts that are for um, just digital distribution and, and all sorts of things. Um so as far as like if you were to compare this to the evolution of the mu of the movie or I'm sorry, of the music industry, there was actually a huge um fight to get sound on a CD. They did not want to be using CDs because that would make it easier for people to copy the files from there. And they knew that. And so they were really fighting that um all of the the gatekeepers as it were and from the gatekeepers of that one. And then once they, they were like, okay, now we're going to do CDs. And then in the nineties, it got to be, you know, every like the biggest CD out there was a Britney Spears CD because that was probably the last really big uh, CD um, release. And then after that, it was right about the point in time where uh, Napster came in. And of course we all, if you lived through it, you only, you know what Napster was,
1: <laughs> <Not either. laughs> uh, or
0: LimeWire, or all those things, you know. And so it's like you you saw that the the consumer wanted it a certain way, and it was the consumer that was really pushing the 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 change in how things are consumed. But this was also, but this is very different because this is government telling you how things should be consumed. Uh, But in the sense that it shut down everything. And so Mm -hmm. now everybody has to kind of remake their situation based on a new set of rules that is not necessarily the consumer. So there's a lot of consumers out there that I still believe that were really wanting to go back to the movies. Like they didn't want to watch things on their TV because they've been at home and they want to go to the movies. So there's there's that back and forth. um, That is it's it'll be very interesting to see once things start opening up more and more how consumer habits will change and what they actually want.
1: Yeah. So one of the things that I thought was interesting, and I haven't really been able to get a lot of information on what happened here, but obviously something with the contract changed. They had to change their existing contract of releasing it, mm-hmm. you know, as digital. And they were kind of able to get around it because it, but it wasn't as if they were releasing it for you to purchase. Notice the difference here. When this happens, you were releasing it to rent as a Home Mm -hmm. premiere, right? So they changed the wording a bit basically to get around this is the existing deals that they have with the companies and they created their (laughs) own terms because of the situation. So now they have these home premieres. So in a way, it was almost as if they were able, this was the moment that the studios were waiting for. You know, for a long time they wanted to control distribution because now they had the means, and by them controlling the distribution, they're able to make more money. And we saw that with Trolls World Tour. Trolls World, Trolls World Tour was one of the first ones during the pandemic to do this. So people, their whole lives have been upended. They were home with their kids and there was nothing to do. And then Trolls World <laughs> Tour comes out. Like there was Emma, which was had been in theaters for about a month and then they re-released it as this home premiere thing. But that's kind of a different market. And that one was released previously. This was the first one that was really mm-hmm. like... Okay, we're not even. We're just skipping theaters. Like this one will never be in theaters. So, and it's interesting because it's hard to know whether a movie is going to do well under this new like way because it's behind your fire. It's behind your paywall, right? And you control the numbers. Whereas the, the the movie theaters, you know, the box office numbers, those are public information. All the different news outlets they report on those. So if a movie does poorly. There's no incentive for the studio to like do a big press release about it because they'll just Mm -hmm. sweep it under the rug. But if it does well, oh, they're going to they're going to shout it to the rooftops. And that's what happened with Trolls World Tour. It did incredibly well. And there was all this buzz and news and articles about how well it was doing and how many ticket how many home premiere tickets it sold. Um, So it was just really interesting to me just watching that from afar. And I'm trying to, you know, just I'm just presenting the facts here. You know, yeah. here's the studios and here's the theaters and I understand they both have different interests. You think in the olden days these would have been aligned, right? We need to get movies out, we want to sell tickets, but now because of the internet, <laughs> it's not necessarily that anymore and the studios really do have so much more power.
0: It's really funny when you mentioned how the they changed the wording and then just because they changed the wording then they were able to make all these changes. Um it just reminded me of like when I was younger my parents had a petting zoo. But because they called it a zoo, then they were under a lot of different governmental um, restrictions and whatnot. Like you, they had to pay yeah. a guy who worked for the Phoenix Zoo to come out and make sure everything was standardized and everything. And it's like, dude, it's goats. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. But because they called it a zoo, they had like a petting zoo. They had to change the name. And so it was then a petting corral. Because there are no there are no uh, standardized methods for a corral, so. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, this is this is how um, a lot of a lot of industries shift is mm-hmm. by little words like that. Yeah,
1: and you know, me as a consumer, I have to like I'm definitely. Kind of against this, right? Like, I would rather, me, myself, being just this is the opinion of Morgan, I would rather go to the theaters because I enjoy the experience of a theater. I think it's fun. It's date night. We get out. we You know, there's just, there's much to be said about getting out of your own home. Now, we talked in the last episode how with these home premieres, if you have six kids, you know, it's great to stay in here, kids, yeah. watch the show. It's cool. It's new, whatever. And, and it's cheaper that way. Um, there's more economies of scale when the more kids you add. But, you know, there is something to be said of, uh, what's the word? Oh my gosh. I can't think of it. Um, okay. But there is something to be said of innovation and constantly improving and innovating and changing destructive innovation. Yes. And not getting stuck in the old ways. And so I'm trying to just, you know, Hey, see it as it is. Here's the facts. Here's the two sides of it. And, you know, you would think that this, would hurt the studios, but Disney plus, you know, we're talking specifically Disney just has just gone beyond their expectations. As far as the number of subscribers, I think this year of 2020 really helped them significantly because people were home and they needed things to watch and it it's just blown it out of the water, you know, instead of just, Hey, we have a movie coming out. Let's just say one movie a month for the various plat, you know, studios that they have. That's obviously they have way more than that, but you know, we could make, a ton of money, one movie a month, or we could just have a hundred million people pay $8 a month in perpetuity. Mm-hmm.
0: That's great. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, and on top of that, we haven't even talked about this, the Disney premier access. So I have to pay the firewall to, I have to pay to get into the paywall, right? It, mm-hmm. It's kind of like the old Disneyland model. You had to pay to get into the park and then you had to pay you for your to... e-ticket rides. This is exactly, exactly the same thing with the premier access. You had to pay $30 to see Mulan when it came out to see Raya and the Last Dragon when it came out
0: yeah and I did see a lot of theaters like over the Christmas holiday I was able to get out once and like they had like especially there's some of these really nice theaters they really invested to make it way more of an experience Mm -hmm. so they have the recliner chairs they have people waiting on you they have like it's just a full experience as opposed to just the go in and sit down um what they could get uh, what they could get away with before because it was the only way to do it um and they i saw uh elf Mm -hmm. as a replay in the theaters and it was cool because they had like a gift basket like kind of a gift bag that they gave to everybody who came in like a little hat and like a pin that had different you know the 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 four major food groups (laughs) and um. So, I mean, they just, they did extra things to make it even more of a, of an event. And yeah, they probably added like a $2, uh, or, you know, maybe they took away about $2 from their, their revenue, but they needed to make they, some money somewhere. Otherwise
1: the revenue was zero. so It's
0: zero. Yeah. So, um, it, it's just interesting to see how they're going to be shifting it. Like, is this going to mean that you're going to get more things, um, in Arizona, they have a thing called uh, there's a, a fat cats or or they have like a bowling alley plus a, a game, you know, a little an arcade and all these different things to be able to add to the I'm leaving my house experience as opposed to just I'm going to the movies experience. So you could also get the movie. You could get the the laser tag, all of these things in one giant big room. Um, so. I don't, I, I honestly think there's a possibility that you're going to get more of that. Um, I don't know. I I think the
1: theater experience, I I think the days of these huge billion dollar blockbusters are going to be gone for a while. I think it's going to be a few years for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Until like things really, people really start getting comfortable going back to the theaters in the ways that they used to. I asked the patrons, um, you know, Hey, did you see riot and the last dragon? And if so, did you see it in theaters or did you see it on, um, premier access? And it was actually like 50, 50. And I saw a bunch of people who I know in my friend circle who have kids and so many of them, some saw it in theaters with their kids to get out during spring break and others didn't, they just rented it with their families. And one last note that I want to talk about, which I think is interesting. You'd think, okay, Finally, you know they're doing this this dual method of releasing. The theaters are still getting a little bit, and the studios are getting their, you know, wine and cheese and eating it too. And Mm -hmm. but that's not the case because Cinemark, well, because Harkins. I was going to go see it at Harkins. That's the main theater that I go to here in Arizona. And so when I was looking to buy tickets, I was buying it a few days in advance, you know, of release day. And it was nowhere to be found. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe it's Saturday. Oh, maybe they're just not having it at this theater. So I looked at a different theater. It was nowhere to be found. And so I went online and it turns out that Cinemark and Harkins, basically they decided not to play Raya and the Last Dragon. And they basically had not come to a a term with Disney. Apparently Disney, you know, you're negotiating. I don't know how this works. You know, you don't normally hear about this because they just get the movies. And they play it like I'm sure they there's there's deals done for every movie or each studio for like a a, you know a whole year or something. But something happened with this one where Cinemark and Harkins just said, "No, you're giving us such a crappy deal that we're just not going to play your movie." Which it's hard because it hurts them big time. You know they're finally back and this is the big Disney Family movie during Spring Break, and they're saying, "Nope, like we're putting our foot down. We're not going to take this." even though it's hurting us and we're already hurting. Um, and so, yeah, I, just this little line from a Cinemark representative. He said, in the current operating environment, we are making near-term booking decisions on a discrete film-by-film basis, focusing on the long-term benefit of exhibitors, studios, and moviegoers. While we are having conversations with the Walt Disney Company, we have not yet reached an agreeable licensing term for *Raya and the Last Dragon. As we continue to work with our studio partners, we, we remain optimistic that we will be reach mutually beneficial terms that will provide moviegoers the opportunity to see the exciting film lineup in our theaters. So clearly just Disney was just trying to screw them with a horrible crappy deal. And they said no to that.
0: Yeah. If you're going to be taking away their opportunity to make money off of that, you're going to probably have like they would, they probably just like, no, we're not going to give you that much of a deal as far as how much money you can make on top of the rental fee for them or the presentation fee. Uh, but if you're going to be placing, you know, double dipping, then for coming from the theater perspective, it's like, you gotta be able to give us way more money to make this even worth it. Yeah,
1: Exactly. And you know, they said, Hey, you know, these, these deals change all the time. Uh, this was the article said, it said it may just appear on Saturday. They got a deal and now you can start watching it from Saturday on or Sunday on and it doesn't seem that was the case. It doesn't seem they ever came to a deal with Raya. It never <laughs> made it to the Harkins, as far as I know. So more on that. It's it's interesting. This year has been really crazy for films and animation and movies. And uh, I, it's sad to see uh, theaters close down. There was, um, I just saw a report yesterday that this big chain in California announced that it's just simply not going to be reopening. It just could not not weather it and they're not going to be reopening. And a lot of people were really sad. You know, they had all these amazing memories from going to those theaters like LA, especially, you know, sometimes when it's just like very small indie films, they release them in New York and LA. So for one of the bigger, you know, sort of chains in LA, just to say, no, I mean, it's it, 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 the reality of the situation is there. And so it'll be interesting to see over the next year, few years to see Do the theaters bounce back? What is the state of the blockbuster film? Mm -hmm. Are are those a thing of the past? So let us know in the comments of this episode, rotoscopers.com slash 199. We will also put up Instagram post about this episode and you can let us know your comments there. And let's keep the discussion going. Did you see Raya and the Last Dragon in theaters or home premiere? Why and why not? And what do you think the future is for the theaters and the movie industry. Thank you so much for joining us for this mini Nerdy Couch Discussion episode of the Animation Addicts podcast. This was amazing. This was fun. And I'm really excited to now offer the show on a weekly basis for you guys.
0: Join us for next week. We are going to have a great lineup coming up. I'm excited for the different movies that we have coming. They're funny. (laughs) So yay.
1: (laughs) Yes, our our next episode is actually going to be our 200th episode insane crazy and we are going to be doing pixar's soul so that was another film that was released you know over the past few months that during our hiatus we didn't get to so we're excited to review that for you guys make sure to send in your voicemails rotoscopers.com slash voicemails and until next time we We are are the Rotoscopers. rotoscopers